Welcome to the Serpent Cast. I'm Annabelle Gatt. I'm Sophie St. Thomas. And we're here tonight with Natalie Reyes, who is a witch who also owns an amazing shop called the Skeleton Key Shop. What's the website? Skeletonkeyshop.com? Yes, skeletonkeyshop.com. Everyone should go check it out. And you are responsible for that flying ointment left me. Yes. High on a few episodes ago. Exactly. If, if people want to listen back to the Pride episode, Sophie tried the flying ointment and she got really high. It was so fun. It was a lot of fun. So we're so happy to have you here with us today. I'm thrilled to be here. And like we like to ask all of our guests, what is your sign and what is your Hogwarts house? I'm a Taurus. Oh, Jesus Christ. No, we sorry. Only no, have not, no, we only have Tauruses on the show. We, it's, it's like, is what? it a thing? Yeah. It's a Most thing. Of our Most of yeah. I would say 75% out of like 22 episodes now have been, what do you think that says about our show that we attract Tauruses? I, off the top of my head, I can only think of three people who've been on who aren't Tauruses. I might be wrong. It's maybe more than that, but most of our guests have been Tauruses. A lot of our guests make things. You know, Taurus is an earth sign, mm. which is all about stuff and like material things. And luxury. And, and you luxury. Make, uh, yeah. You make beautiful bath bombs as well. I and used the leather and lace the other night. Aren't you also a baker? Yes. I mean, Taurus. Like, everything from, like, sweets to, like, bath bombs. I mean, it's as Taurus as you can get. Yes, definitely. Food and yeah. beauty. I mean, that's pretty much it. Yeah. But yeah, so Taurus with um, Aries moon and Aries rising. Cool. Ah. Very fiery Taurus. Annabelle's an Aries. I am. Really? Yeah. Cool. So, okay, you're a Taurus, and what about your Hogwarts house? I want to say Gryffindor, because I do vibe with the Slytherin energy, but I'm definitely almost getting into trouble for, you know, helping other people. Like, you know, I'm like the stick my neck out kind of person, so I can see that. They're always getting in, you know, a situation, you know, to save the day, kind of. (laughs) Totally, and with an Aries moon and rising, it's going to make you very brave. When we think of Gryffindor, I think we think of people who are very, they'll really, like, go out on a limb to like help other people and they're That's also like, very courageous. That's Slytherin's 100% kind me. Of Slytherin a little balls. I have a ball python now and she literally, they're called ball pythons because they spend most of their time in fucking little balls just <laughs> like sitting in a ball and it's all they want to do. Like it's it, comfortable. Yeah, sure. li- like during the, during the night she'll like slither around and I don't know climb a, a branch I bought for her but all day long all she does is sit in a ball and I've read every single by bi- ball python website and blog and everyone reassures me that they are very happy that's exactly what they want to be doing spending their time it's very Taurus like they're napping <laughs> <laughs> um I feel like if someone were gonna like swoop in on a situation to save a bunch of people a Slytherin person might seem like they're curled into a ball, like a ball python, right? Mm-hmm. But really secretly, they're like casting spells behind the scene. Well, sh- my, that fucking snake is plotting in there. Yeah. Yeah. Whereas a Gryffindor like flies in with like a blazing broomstick and a Ravenclaw is probably hacking someone's computer. Totally. And totally. a Hufflepuff is just like doing things like the legal route or something. Totally. Totally bad. Not to keep talking about my snake and hogging the mic, but when I first got her, I needed, I wanted, today I ordered on Amazon an actual like branch for her to climb, but they like to climb things. They would, if she was in 
Africa, you know, most ball pythons are bred in captivity and made into different beautiful colors, but she would be hanging out in a tree at night, but she doesn't have a tree. So I was looking around my apartment for like something wooden because I was, I'm being, I'm, I've realized I'm such a helicopter mom. If I ever have kids, I'll be a nightmare. Like I was like, the only thing I trust her climbing on is wood because she would climb on a tree. So I took a wooden cross that I bought when I was visiting my friend who lives in Mexico and I sat it up there. Obviously, as like a slithered and a goth, I also thought it was cool to stick a cross in a snake's cage. But yeah, this motherfucking little snake, her name is Mallory. I went to the gym. She was in her ball in her hide, hide place, curled up in a ball. I went to the gym. 30 minutes later, I come back and she has curled herself in this like perfect figure eight around the cross in like the spookiest position. I was just like, you little plotter, creepy little sneaky snake. Look at you. Anyways, back to you. Enough about me. Um, Tell us how you came up. I hope you took a picture of that. (laughs) Oh yeah. On every social media possible. I was very proud of that moment of my daughter. Tell us how you came up with the idea for your shop. Well, I started a coven With my best friend. Um, She's also on Instagram. She's the gourmet witch. We're both chefs, so we met in that regard. And then we started making magic together. And since I have always been like a concoctor, like I have this mad scientist kind of spirit. (laughs) So um, it's worked for me in terms of my career with baking and cooking. Um, And so everybody, like the people in the group would be like, oh, can you make incense for us? Or you it just like fell on me that responsibility of making things for ritual. So I started making oils and I started making incense first. And then that wasn't hard enough. So I was like, I'm going to make cold process soap. So I have like some photos out there of me with like the full gas mask and the goggles. Like it's just ridiculous. How do you guys do this? I envision like total Breaking Bad meth lab when it comes to bath bombs and soap. Bath bombs, not so much, but cold process soap, it can get, there's definitely fumes involved and you need good ventilation. And if you, um, there's a way to mix things, like you can't pour just the lye liquid into the oils. You Uh have to always do it the other way around and mix very slowly. If it splatters on you even, um, you're getting like a mild chemical burn. Oh, wow. Like at the very least. So. Wow. Yeah. Soap. It's intense. Dangerous. Yeah. I don't, I mean, I haven't um, had the chance to do much cold process soap recently, but it's definitely one of my favorite things just because it's difficult. So. You have beautiful, uh, your rainbow soaps are so Oh, beautiful. thank you. Well, I, I love the starry scopes with your new collection, the starseed collection. Very beautiful. Uh, do you have a favorite oil or incense or soap or anything to make? Is there a favorite one with like your favorite scent or a favorite purpose? Yes. One of the earlier recipes that I came up with was this scent called Witchy Woman. And it's a blend of pomegranate, dragon's blood. But yeah, so that blend uh, is extremely popular and everybody just like, it's like a universal scent. I know it sounds weird, but it's very underworld-ish. I came up with it thinking of Persephone, like the goddess of the underworld. So it has that like dark vibe to it, but then it has like a light element at the same time. So a lot of people find it appealing. 
And it does actually have patchouli in it, I realize. And everyone is like, this has patchouli because everyone thinks that they hate it. Yeah, patchouli has a reputation. It does. It's an unfair one, though, because if it's used and blended properly and not overpowering, like... A lot of times you don't realize it's a bottom, like an earthy note. No, it's nice. I have, su- I just, I have like the most distinct memory of being taught what patchouli is. What? I, well, people probably, I don't know. Some people might know this about me, but like my one of my not so secret secrets, because I like to pretend like, oh, I'm this like glam goth witch now who's a sex writer. But um, in my in my late teens, I I went through a a, a phase where I followed fish and and spent I understand exactly where you're going with this <laughs> I spent a lot of time not sleeping a lot of time on LSD a lot of time jamming out to further who is the remaining members of the Grateful Dead and other jam bands and going to small strange festivals in Vermont and West Virginia and I think this festival doesn't exist anymore, which is a shame. But there is this, like, if, if anyone listening knows this scene, you might know All Good, where everything's all good. But I used to go to this festival in All Good, West Virginia. And, oh, my God. So, so I'm having, like, a flood of, a flood of memories. I was new. I was, like, still kind of new to the scene. And someone mentioned patchouli. And I was like, okay, I keep hearing this fucking word. Like, if I'm going to, if this is, like, my, my, like, what the fuck is patchouli? And they're just like, oh, hippies, like, cover themselves in it and fuck. Like, it smells like hippie sex. And then I, like, <laughs> then someone made me smell it. And I was like, oh, that's what I've been smelling, like, the past six months of my life. I understand now. <laughs> but, but I understand there's more to it than. I mean, that's the reputation that it has. And that's what most people think of it uh-huh. as. But if you have really high quality patchouli and it's not, like, you know, overbearing, it's kind of like how like cheap vanilla perfumes smell horrible, but like a nice vanilla is beautiful, especially when it's blended with the right things. So you know what was in that leather and lace bath bomb, right? Patchouli. <laughs> Patchouli. No, I'm a, like I'm chill with it. In fact, I kind of like. I think now I'm gonna get all philosophical, you know. But we do, especially me, not just me, but all of us. But I'm a Scorpio. It's a sign of birth, death, and rebirth. Like I've gone through many phases in my life, and I think a lot of us have. And I think sometimes maybe it's confusing to be like, how did I go from being this like blonde fish following eighteen year old to this thirty year old living in New York City, working as a sex writer and hosting a witchcraft podcast? And it's easy just to like pretend like there's not a peace sign tattoo on my ass, which there totally is, and that I didn't used to like have patchouli sex. Or I can be like, you know, patchouli is still a part of me. Now it's just in my witch bath bombs. And anyways. Yeah. That yeah. totally makes sense, though. Yeah. <laughs> the evolution of patchouli. Exactly. Exactly. Like, like there's, yeah, I think there's different ways to express all the parts of yourself that exist, even though if they may end up manifesting in different ways as you grow up. I'm curious to know that as a baker and when you cook, what do you think about magic and food? Because I think there's a huge connection between magic and food. I'm wondering if you have any favorite stories. Yeah, well, when I was in culinary school, one of the first things that kind of shocked me, um, besides, you know, like eating vats of hollandaise first thing in the morning, (laughs) the coolest chef we ever had just walked in and he was just like, food is sexy, Food turns people on. 
when, you know, you look at a plate of food, no matter what it is, something that attracts you, it appetizes you, like you almost get, you get aroused, your mouth fills up with saliva, you get flushed sometimes. I've tasted things that have seriously gotten me horny, Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, including my best friend's chocolate mousse, because it's incredible. That was embarrassing, actually. I flushed red (laughs) from head to toe, like just from tasting this. It's like, definitely, um, it is magical. And partially because you're using ingredients that are alive or were alive, and they're all separate, and you have to find a way that they do actually go together and combine to make something new. So it's kind of like that element of recreating over and over again. I used to say that a lot. Like it was like reinventing the wheel over and over. But every single time you do it, it has to be different. As a pastry chef, you're a little more limited. I mean, we have fruits, we have nuts, we have chocolate and spices. And, you know, every, you know, we work with the season. So whatever's in season, you use. But it's really, you have to be very, very creative and, you know, always be on your toes to continue that. So it definitely keeps that like creative energy going. Have either of you read um, Water for Chocolate? Yes, of course. I love that. I love that book. Tell me, tell me. Okay. Um, So one thing from this book that really stuck out to me, you know, it's about this person who is, remind me in case I've forgotten because it's been like over 10 years since the last time I read it. But when I was in high school, I read it like a few times. There is this young woman and she is the youngest woman in the family. And because she's the youngest. So this is a fiction book. It's a fiction book because she's the youngest uh, woman in this family. She's not allowed to get married. Her job is to like take care of like the mom and like kind of like be there to. Until she dies. Until she dies. Oh God. So she falls in love with this man, but she can't be with him because she can't get married. So instead he marries her sister. And she has to, like, do all the cooking for, like, the wedding. And she's just crying and crying and crying into the food. And she's, like, so miserable. And everyone eats it. And then everyone else starts crying because, like, she cried into the food. And then her sister got such bad indigestion that she spent the rest of her living days in bed farting. Yes. (laughs) It's hard to forget something like that. It really stuck with me. Wait, is that the ending of the book? No, that's the beginning of the book. The ending (laughs) is even weirder, yeah. The the ending is amazing and beautiful, and I don't want to spoil it, but the ending was like, if I end that way... That's a good way to end. I don't want to spoil it for anyone. It's it's such an amazing book, but it's basically all about like food and magic and love and like about the love and pain and sadness and all these feelings that we pour into our food and how it manifests in the world. I mean, maybe it's about other things too, but that's what really stuck out to me as like a young witch, you know, no, really left an impression. It's beautiful. I really love the book and the movie's cute too. She says to her uh, her sister at the end, "You, I hope that you're that you." rot from the inside or you become just as rotten on the outside as you are on the inside because the sister was kind of like mean and heartless like she knew that she was in love with her husband and everything and didn't care but she found a way the the main character to communicate with him and with everybody through her cooking yeah like it was so erotic at times you know that's the dishes she would make I highly recommend if anyone's looking for a good book to read this summer that's a book that you could probably if you're afraid of flying, could like distract you from your flight because like you start reading it, you get like sucked in. So good. I'm so glad that you. I share love my that. Passion I love it. Yeah. yeah. I, I'm curious about the magical power of tears. I want to say, to me, tears are tears can be used for love magic. You know, representing the element of water, 
and that depth that we can get to when we're really in love. I know of petitions to, you know, certain goddesses that require uh, that depth of sentiment in order to really get their attention. On the other hand, tears can certainly be used in hexing and cursing. I because I've been I've been basically it's eclipse week, but I've been kind of crying for like two weeks straight. So like, what the fuck do I do with all these tears? I have a I have an interesting tear story. Yeah. When I was in middle school and throughout most of high school, I always kept a journal and I journaled a lot. And I had you know this one relationship that ended, and I was so upset about it for weeks. And I was like writing in my journal about it. And one evening, I was writing in my journal, and I was crying so much that it was like staining the ink. But I was like kind of letting it smudge, and I was sort of like, yeah, "Yeah, like fuck this person. Like my tears are staining my journal. You know, like I was getting like really into it. And then when I was done, I felt so disgusted by that journal and the tears. But in a really empowering way where it was like I really got everything out and it the tears mixed with like the ink and all of the things I actually wrote down gained this like magical power and I was over it. Wow. And I threw out that journal and I, I was so over it that I, I don't even really remember what that was about anymore. And that, would, that was unusual for me, you know? Like, I really got over it in a way that I rarely get over things. I have a Scorpio moon. So, you know, it's easy for me to f- forgive and forget in many ways, but if I have a deep relationship with someone and they, like, abandon me, that's not something I, like, you know, really yeah. forget. But, like, this was a situation where, like, the tears mixed with the ink and everything I wrote, like, it just did something that was so powerful. Yeah. That's really beautiful. I mean, that represents, like, a purging. Like yeah. you really got rid of oh, exactly what was in totally there. Approaching. Yes. One of our favorite books that we use all the time is The Enchanted Candle by Lady Rhea. And you've worked with her. Yeah, she's my high priestess. You've worked with oh my God. Can you tell us everything? Like the first moment you met her. Like just can you tell us the story? Can yes. you share the story? So I started researching witchcraft when I was around twelve years old. Right. Um, And I would go to the library and just get whatever I can. And, you know, I started practicing on my own. Can I ask you what witchcraft books your library had? Back then? Yeah. (laughs) um, Of course, there was Silver Raven Wolf. Mine had had that too. (laughs) Teen Witch. I had Scott Cunningham's. We've talked um, about Teen Witch a lot on this show. Yeah. Yeah. That's like our generation ish. Uh (laughs) I had Scott Cunningham, Wicca for the Solitary Practitioner. um, And I had Ed Fitch. I really love his books, like um, Magical Rites from the Crystal Well and uh, Grimoire of Shadows. That's like some of my early, I mean, my library doesn't look like that anymore, but I still do really appreciate some of those books for the direction that they, you know, brought me into. At my public library when I was in like seventh grade, they had two witchcraft books. It was Silver Raven Wolf. I don't really remember which one it, it was. But it was one that had a very happy-looking cover. And then the only other book was, like, Anton Sander LeVay's, like, <laughs> Satanic Bible. And I was like, huh, I feel oddly satisfied by, like, having two ends of the spectrum here. And I, like, really appreciated it. And then thus begun my sitting around the Barnes Noble occult section all day long, which I think is most people's. Same. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Definitely. Anyway, I didn't mean to interrupt you. So, no, yes. No, go ahead. Yeah. Um, 
I was definitely into his books as well, Anton Sandra LaVey and The Satanic Witch, and that was definitely in my early arsenal. Oh, yeah. You know, I went very dark in the beginning and then somewhat light, and then now it's kind of in the middle. <laughs> but when I was in school, I, I, a random girl just came up to me that I had never met before, and she goes, you're a witch, right? And at that time, I was still like, not in the room closet, but I didn't like wear a big ass pinnacle or anything. Like, I don't really know how she knew. Um, I think, yeah, no, I don't know. I'm like, maybe, no, I was making crescent moon cookies, but that was like our assignment. So I don't know if she thought, cause that's a thing. But anyway, she approached me and said, um, you should come to this gathering. And I had never gone to like a circle before. So I asked her for a little more info. I thought it was really weird. And it was like the same day, like tonight. So of (laughs) course, like I'm kind of an anxious person. I don't know if you've noticed that, but I get a little jumpy. So I was completely like full on like freaking out, like, oh my God, but should I go? But do I not go? And I was having like a real crisis, like real enough to be like, this is going to be something. You can just tell sometimes your body's reaction to a situation. It was like really strange. So I sat on the fence for so long that by the time I went, I was late. So this store, Lady Rhea's store, it was um, Magical Realms. And it had a full, this was when she was in Westchester Square in the Bronx. It had like a full glass window. So as I walk up to the place, it's closed, right? The lights are off. And I see like everyone sitting in a circle. And I'm like, holy shit, and I'm fucking late. And I'm going to interrupt these people. So Like I was there awkwardly for a minute and finally they let me in and I was able to join in with like minimal weirdness. And it was a really nice experience. I can't remember exactly what happened that day, um, but I do remember when I did meet Lady Rhea for the first time. She's very, very, she's a Leo. Yeah. So she's a very big and warm personality, very friendly very loud, (laughs) Um, typical like Italian mother, you know, and she was always very kind. You know, I remember um, shortly after I I started attending what they call Pagan Way, which is an outer court group for like, it's really to train people that may or may not want to be initiated into more traditional witchcraft. And they teach you the basic stuff there, you know, how to cast a circle about the elements, you know, Astrology, For people listening at home, can you let them know what inner court versus outer court is? Yes. So inner court would be a group of initiated witches working together under a high priestess or a high priest, or even if they don't subscribe to those exact titles, but more or less, that's what the format looks like. And an outer court would be people of varying levels that haven't been initiated yet, that may or may not, they may just be checking it out, or they may have no desire to be initiated, but still want to practice magic in a group setting. So it's a little bit of something for everyone. Yeah. So in this group, you would get the tap on the shoulder, kind of like, would you be interested in coming to another event after this one? Mm. (laughs) So that like tap on the shoulder was a big deal, you know, like, and if you got one, you were just like, oh my God, like I get to go circle with the big boys now. Eventually I did get one of those and, you know, it just kind of continued from there. Shortly after that, um... Lady Rhea had gotten another space, which was at a larger place in the Bronx, and she asked me to come and work for her there. So we kind of, you know, had a a very 
long <laughs> relationship in terms of working and doing circle and all of that. Amazing. Lady, yeah, everyone at home, if you haven't yet, the Enchanted Candle. I made a protection candle today to prepare for tomorrow's eclipse, but it's kind of a must-have if you're interested in candle magic. It really is. It's an incredible book. Her writing style is, it's very, it sounds like she's there, like, talking to you. And if you read her book, it'll give you, you know, a good clue as to her personality because that's exactly how she sounds when she's teaching and explaining. She has another book called The Enchanted Formulary that's actually being re-released now, like a new updated version should be coming out in the fall. So if you like The Enchanted Candle, the formulary is all about oil blending. Ooh, (laughs) I need to read that. Yeah, so I think it's out of print, the older version. You might be able to find it on eBay or Amazon, Uh Um, but it's coming out again in the fall. She like revamped it and everything, so. Amazing. Yes. So Sophie tried your flying ointment. Yes. Tell me, do people try to put it in their vagina? (laughs) Tell us everything. So I get asked that a lot and, you know... Maybe we should backtrack. Um, (laughs) Would you mind sharing why people might want to do that? Okay. A little bit of the history. So flying ointment, I just want to share before, like I get into that, that this flying ointment was created, again, for coven use only. Okay. It was for our circle at the time and its first incarnation was way more dangerous than the flying ointment. Oh, I want it. God damn it. How do I get initiated? It was an herbal blitz. It was nothing about initiation. It was just, we were crazy. So <laughs> I'm, let me in. I, I want it. Give me um, the good stuff. So besides the initiatory craft that I practice under, it's the New York Coven of Witches, which is um, Lady Rhea's coven, right? I practice another form of witchcraft that's called oracular witchcraft. And that uh, coven name is Dam Luce that I run with my best witch friend. So that group is more about exploring trans and connection with deity, right? Mm. Um, It's very ecstatic. So reaching those depths and those states are very um, helpful for some people in having them be able to connect with deity and especially having this energy enter your body. It helps you to suspend that disbelief. So we... I created this herb blend because eventually after making the oils and the incense, they're all like, well, you should make flying ointment. You should make flying ointment. And for those that are not familiar with flying ointment, it is a concoction that, you know, medieval witches created out of many poisonous and some poisonous, some only hallucinogenic plants that they would use to fly to Sabbat or their circle gatherings. And, you know, that depiction of the witch and the broomstick is kind of a thing because the preferred method of using this during that time anyway would be to anoint an item, I guess a broomstick, even though I'm thinking splinters, like why would you go there? But okay, <laughs> um, And then it would be inserted. It could be inserted in any mucous membrane, right? Uh-huh. And the flying would be symbolic, like astral flight and astral travel. But yeah. the thing is, when you involve magic with all of this, a lot of people will would end up having the same experience. Mm-hmm. It would be almost like if you're tripping with someone and you're, you both have the same experience or go to the same place. Totally. So it's a little bit more than just, you know, the, the high. There's definitely a mystical element and preparations and things. So when they asked me for the flying ointment, you know, I started off because of the type of practice that we do, which is oracular, 
The oracles at Delphi, they use similar means um, by inhaling fumes, mm-hmm. right? Um, so I came up with this blend and we would sit under a sheet <laughs> and make like a tent, like a hot box over all of us. And we would just put the herbs onto a charcoal and basically it would fill up with smoke and we would stay under there. We had some of the weirdest experiences doing this. so much fun. <laughs> weird, weird stuff. And we would, when we came out of there, it was like we all just landed on another planet. Like it yeah. was so bizarre. Um, but the herbs were definitely prayed over and it was done in a ritual setting after cleansing and all of that. So it was safe, as safe as you can get, I guess. I went the inhalation route because I figured if any, if you get to like... If the feeling is too intense, you can just get out and get some fresh air. Uh-huh. So with the flying ointment, it's a lot safer because topical use, like on your skin, you know, it does it does absorb into your body, mm-hmm. as you know. <laughs> <laughs> I know. Now I want to do magic with it. I haven't done that yet. So that's like, that is one of well, the most interesting experiences. Yeah. Because not to jump in, but something I know me and Annabelle always talk about a lot, but like, and I'm sure you can relate to this so many times I will get when you when I do a spell and you know you really put your energy to it and you really feel connected to the universe and you really know it works like I'll feel regret like I'm not a huge substance user I don't even drink like I love weed I'm open to things like flying ointment for sure but like after a good spell if I've done something that know that works I feel high as shit yeah. But in the best best way, like in a in a literally high, like a like a lifted lifted way, that's totally normal too. Because you are, you know, you're working with magical energy, and energy is real. So mm-hmm. when you you're making magic and you have success, right? It's like you you have those moments when you're doing spell work or you're doing magic, and you know that like the shit worked. Like I've connected to whatever I'm trying to connect to, this is like you're in tune. And Mm -hmm. after that, like, yeah, there's a feeling of euphoria. Absolutely. I have a question. This is, okay, this is like a a question that I need help with and something I feel guilty about. Okay, I am like messy and shitty at cooking. I couldn't even... I don't even attempt to bake because I'm so bad at it. What advice do you have if someone is interested in doing things like making oils or baking, a, just making some, some nice cookies, you know, but it doesn't come naturally to them? What are some like 101 tips about how to get this shit right? <laughs> well, I want to say start simple. You know, it really depends on what you're interested in. But I think nobody is like not a natural at something. I mean, if it really calls to you and interests you, then it's worth a shot. I'm Mm -hmm. doing things now um, at my age, right, in my mid to late 30s where I never would have thought I would be doing. Like I never had this desire to start creating and making all of these things. So it just, you know, like you were saying earlier, evolution and how sometimes things just pop up on you. Like, oh, maybe I'll try this. And it ends up being something you really enjoy. Mm -hmm. So I think maybe finding the right medium or something simple. Like there are cooking recipes that have less than five ingredients. And really that's kind of all you need for certain things. 
And spell work is the same. To be honest, I haven't bought a spell book in years, in years. Yeah. yeah. How do we feel about that? Is it okay not to use spell books? Oh, yeah. Yeah? Of course. Yeah. Spell books are, there's, I feel like there's nothing funner than discovering your first spell book. You know, I think it's such an amazing memory for like so many of us and reading is fun and it's amazing to look through someone else's like grimoire, you know, like spell books are amazing. But I, I know I very rarely crack open a spell book. And the reason why I use Lady Reyes so much mm-hmm. is because I like looking at the symbols and I like having same something to look at while I'm carving mine. But if I'm going to carve my own symbol, I might flip through her book because like I like reading her voice and like her style and like maybe I want some inspiration or maybe I want some like words of comfort if I'm really stressed out. But, you know, it's sort of like how... Once you know how to cook your own like pasta sauce, like maybe when you're first starting, you might Google a recipe and you read it, but like the tenth time you made it, you don't really need it anymore. Totally, you just know it. Uh, yeah, like today, I you know the peace and protection candle I made. Like I looked through it, I picked one that called to me, but then it was more like, all right, you know, lavender, peace and protection oil, and then I feel like I use like like looking at a spell can be a good way to sort of get the intention, if that makes sense, and the vibe you're going for, and maybe some helpful... Am I making any sense? Should we just cut this? Well, I've definitely... I've heard of um, people feeling like if they don't follow a spell from a like um, a source that they really believe in, if they don't follow it to the T, it's not going to work. And some people are like that. Yeah. So for some people, they need to use that. But I, I never read the directions when I'm building something from Ikea. Therefore, I also hardly... <laughs> Wow. You know what I mean? That's awesome. <laughs> like, I, yeah. I don't really do that. Like, I I love spell books usually because I love the author and I want to see what they have totally. to say. But but someone like, God bless her, like Serpent Slut Casey, who used to be in this show, I, I know she, when she creates spells, whether she, it's, she writes them her own and they're amazing. She came over and did one for me the other day and it was so beautiful. But I was like in awe. She had, you know, this written out step-by-step instruction, you know, incorporated every element, opened and closed. And it was so different than the way I perform magic, but I so much appreciated it. And I guess the lesson is just that there's, you know, a way to be a witch for every way that there's a way to be you. Yeah, definitely. Definitely. Wait, so let's rewind a little bit. Can you put the flying ointment in your pussy? So... My official answer is you shouldn't, but (laughs) I do know people that have. My only warning on that is this. The main reason that I would advise against putting it inside your body is because once it goes inside your pussy, it will melt. And there's no way to kind of lower the dose once it's in there. So Mm -hmm. I recommend the dosage to be the size of a pea and then you wait about 20 minutes um, and then reapply if you feel that you need it. So that dose for some people is super intense, especially when they've never tried it before. So putting it internally, there's no way to get rid of it. If it's on your body, you can always wash it off. So I try to recommend like places where you could somewhat easily with a baby wipe even just remove it. But internally, you can't. So that's the main reason why I advise against it. If you've used it many times already and you're totally comfortable with your own body's reaction to it, then 
I would say, although I'm not saying this officially, that you would start with half the amount that you would use externally uh-huh. if you were going to experiment with it that way. And that would be only after you've tried it externally at least twice to three times to make sure that your reaction to it, to that dose is consistent. That makes perfect sense. But one of the first times I was vending, um, I would give out samples of this. Like when I first started bringing it to markets with me, like Pagan and Witchy Fairs, I would, you know, be like, hey, who wants to try? <laughs> and, you know, I had a, a girl, I gave her a sample she loved it. She bought it. She asked me on the spot, can I put this? Like she knew, she knew what was up already <laughs> about flying women. And I'm like, uh, I don't know, maybe you should wait. She, you know, she disappears. I keep vending. She comes back a few minutes later. I put it in there. <laughs> and she was like so freaking happy. It was amazing. <laughs> I was cracking up. Like she's like, you're, wow. <laughs> she's so brave, you know, like that's super adventurous. But some people have like that adventurous spirit, you know. But it's like if you drop acid, like once it melts in your tongue, then you're kind of dealing with it, right? You can't like spit it out. Oh my God, there's out. no going back. No. So it's one of those no going back situations. So that's Which that's can what be a is. good thing. Sometimes you need that. <laughs> I mean, no, I'm, I'm, I'm go, going, back to the, going back to the acid days in my head. <laughs> I love your come to me oil. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Ooh, it's really talk, amazing. Can we tell everyone about come to me oil? Because sure. I'm a fan too. Yeah. Tell us a little bit about your come to me oil. The come to me oil was part of our um, open heart ritual vault, which was from February. So the ritual vault is that monthly subscription that I do. And it includes a mixture of bath products, like self-care items. It has incense, oils, and a ritual. So this particular ritual was for self-love and for being able to like let go of trauma and baggage to be open to love. That's why I called it open heart because everyone Mm. is all like Valentine's Day. It's like, but a lot of this is like a really difficult time for a lot of people and it should be less commercial in that sense of more about you loving yourself and kind of appreciating yourself. And like as a woman, you know, sometimes slathering yourself with body products and things that smell really great help. It definitely helps. It absolutely <laughs> helps. I've written about this. I think like taking care of your body and treating yourself when you need to feel loved is magic and medicine and so important and should never be written off as anything silly or vain. No, it's true. We have our, our body is our, our shell that we're, you know, it's our meat sack that we're in for the mm-hmm. time being, but mm-hmm. it definitely is connected to our spirit. So. Yeah. so I'm curious to know what's next for the shop. Well, um, next month we're probably looking at a lovely harvest ritual vault. So this holiday Lamas coming up, um, which is, you know, through the month of August is the first harvest. So it represents the end of the summer. So it has that like, you know, bittersweet kind of element to it where we're reevaluating our lives and what we've accomplished, right, at the end of the season and a nice, you know, manifestation ritual. That's probably, you know, and then pretty much just everything is fall. Yeah. So I am beyond ready for fall and apples and pumpkins and of course, Samhain, and this I'm is so just... excited to see what those <laughs> products smell like. Yeah, me too. Yeah. It's my favorite season, so I'm going to definitely be 
very out there with all those things. Amazing. So if people want to learn more about you and check out the store, um, where can they find you online? They can um, check out our website at uh, www.skeletonkeyshop.com. Follow us on Instagram, Skeleton Key Shop. And my personal is Cersei the Enchantress on Instagram. Amazing. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for coming. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you so much for listening, everyone. We want to let you know that if you want to read your sex scope for Leo season, you can head over to unboundbabes.com and read it. We write amazing sex scopes. We think you'll really enjoy them. And of course, if you want to be initiated into the Serpent Slut Coven, you can head over to www.patreon.com slash the Serpent Cast. And I believe we have some new Serpent Sluts to say hello to. Thank you, Mom. <laughs> I, I, sometimes I feel a little awkward that you listen to this, but I, I appreciate you joining our coven, and you are officially a serpent slut. We're very glad to have you. Thank you for supporting and being in the coven. Yeah. And of course, we also want to welcome Lauren. Thank you so much for joining the coven. And if you want to follow us on Instagram or Twitter, you can follow us at The Serpent Cast. You can also follow Sophie St. Thomas on Twitter and Instagram at The Bowie Cat. And you can follow me on Twitter at Annabelle Gat underscore or on Instagram at Annabelle Gat. And I recently have a new column that just launched with Ask Men. It's called throwback to college drinking games, never have I ever. And the concept is that I talk to couples or individuals who have a sexual fantasy that they want to try, be it like watching porn together or having a threesome. And they tell me what it was like before they had ever done it. And then they actually, and then you do it and you tell me what the experience was like, if it lived up to your expectations. So if there's something that you've been wanting to try and think you might want to try and want to be in my column, you can hit me up on any of those social media sites, uh, Annabelle to tell you my handle, or um, I'm on Facebook, Sophie St. Thomas. My email is sophiesthomas at gmail.com. Unfortunately, Sophie St. Thomas was taken. And thank you so much for listening. (music) 